0: In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Please be seated. I don't know what the latest stats and surveys say with various polls of Christians, but I do know several years ago, there was a general poll sent out to a bunch of Christians across the world asking the simple question, how is one saved? Is it by Jesus and his cross and his salvation alone? Or is it a combination of Jesus and his salvation and our works, or is it based solely on how we live our lives? And dramatically, most of the people responded to that poll with something along the lines of it sure is Jesus, but we have to add things to it, and even others stated it's simply by how we act and live out our lives. It only seems to make sense. If you want to get paid in life, you've got to work. If you want to get ahead in life, you've got to work. If you want to be in good graces with your family, your friends, your neighbors, your classmates, you've got to put work into it. Sometimes you have to swallow those difficult pills in relationships. If you want to get ahead in any aspect of life, it's going to take work. We know this all too well. There's no such thing as a free lunch. Most people will tell you that they got where they're at in life because they put in a lot of Hard work and effort, a lot of late nights, they pulled themselves up by their bootstraps and they got down to the nitty-gritty and they worked hard. But this completely flies into the face of what we saw today with our parable. The key to any kind of parable that we hear about in the scriptures is the fact that the parable is all about what God is doing. Many will take these parables today, like the parable of the master in the vineyard, and they will make it be something that you have to do, some sort of life application. Think about that for a moment. Think about the economics of this parable today. Somebody mentioned to me right before his church today, and I could not agree more, pastors are not trained and taught about money and finances at the seminary, to which in my head I was like, yes, preach it, brother. That's because we're given texts like this parable today. This text from Jesus' gospel of Matthew 20 makes no sense in the economic realm of things. No businessman or businesswoman would run a business like this parable today. Nobody would give the same wage to somebody who works 12 hours and somebody who works one hour. They would go bankrupt or there would be people lining up down the street to work just one hour and to get a full day's wage. They'd be taken advantage of. That's why Jesus says today at the very beginning of that parable, something you and I should highlight and underline when we read these types of things, the kingdom of heaven is like. These parables are not about self-help and moralistic things that you and I are supposed to do because we wouldn't do this. We wouldn't give recklessly of ourselves, of our wages and our earnings to people who are not going to do a full day's work. It just doesn't make sense. If you're a business owner, this would not make sense at all. If you've ever had people that you've managed in your business, it wouldn't make sense at all to give them a full salary for one hour worth of work. That's when we take these parables and we have to shift our focus from the ways of our world, the ways of our business, our finances, everything else, and be reminded that this is how the kingdom of heaven works. This is how God's grace works. But the reality is, is that even in that context, we're not sure we are even willing to accept that. God's grace has been poured out for the life of the whole world, for every last human being that has ever existed. But think about that grace and that forgiveness and that salvation for once. If you compare it between two people, who's likely more to receive God's grace? Mother Teresa or Saddam Hussein? You may say, well, Mother Teresa needs, you know, a teaspoonful of God's grace. Why? Because she took care of all those people that were sick, The poor and sober, Saddam Hussein needs gallons upon gallons of God's grace because of who he was. What about somebody like me standing up before you here today, all gussied up and giving you the word of God? Where does the grace of God stand with me versus somebody who is a devout atheist who says there is no God and that they do not need Jesus or his grace or his cross or his free salvation? You may say, well, pastor seems to be, at least on the outside, on that direct track towards God's grace, towards God's heaven, towards God's salvation, whereas an atheist, they probably really need to put in a lot of time, a lot of effort, and in many ways, they're going down the wrong path. This is where we get things all confused. This is where we muddle up the kingdom of God and how God's grace and his grace alone truly works for us, and for everyone else. Rather than looking at the people, whether they are in the church or outside of the church, and us judging them by how they are living their lives, whether they seem to be Christian or not, whether they are in here or not, whether they are acting in ways that Christians seemingly act or they are not, we should simply look to the kingdom of God and pray that God's grace would be poured out for, yes, Mother Teresa, but also those like Saddam Hussein. For those people like me, yes, who need it so much, standing in pulpits today, and yes, those people who would seemingly never darken the doors of a place like this, let alone even say that they believe in these things. The only real-life application for this kind of parable today is an application of God's law, which says that we have abused God's grace and we have even withheld God's grace from others around us because of how they act or how they live. We've set up our own little kingdoms according to our own little standards and have said they surely are not going to be saved or we certainly don't want to see them in heaven or in church, let alone receiving God's grace and his love. That's where God brings us to our knees and shows us our desperate need for his grace as well. God's grace is freely given out to everyone, whether they are in this place or outside of this place, whether they have received it when they were baptized in an infant or whether they are receiving it on their very deathbed. That is the point of this parable today there's a very easy way to take a look at this parable today look at the master's call for those to go out and labor and look at what the master does at the end of the day don't get all muddled up in the middle where say well some work 12 hours some work six and some only work one hour and it's not fair it's not equal That's not what the point is. See, we talk a lot about today, and rightly so, about equality. We want to see equality in every facet of life. This has gotten into all of our talk about politics. It's gotten into all of our social issues. It's gotten into everything. And the reality is is that it's true. We should strive for equality amongst everyone. But Jesus also tells us very plainly from Scripture, the poor you will always have with you. John's revelation speaks about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. That's not somebody or some people who are going to come on the last day coming into the sky. Those four horsemen of the apocalypse deal with four issues and aspects of life that John says that you and I in this world are going to see each and every day. doesn't matter if you're living in 2021 or if you're living in the year 500. These aspects, these four horsemen are always going to be present. Those four horsemen deal with four things. The first is war and bloodshed, meaning there is always gonna be war and bloodshed in this world, somewhere in this world, until Jesus returns. The second aspect is is there is going to be tyrannical rulers, dictators, corrupt politicians who will be ruling and governing people and being merciful and unmerciful to the people that's been given to their charge. That's going to happen between Christ's ascension and his return. We have to live with it. We've seen it. There is always going to be inequality there's always going to be the rich versus the poor. There's always going to be an element of things being unequal. That's the third horseman. And that's always going to be existent from Jesus' ascension to his return. And we have seen that as well. The fourth horseman is the pale horse, which is death. We will always see people dying until Jesus returns. That's where we find the equality, tyrannical rule, inequality, war and bloodshed, and death. These aspects have infiltrated all of our lives, all of our world, all of our communities, and those are the great things that make us equal, because we all by nature are sinful and unclean, and the wages of sin is death. But the beauty about this parable today is, is that the free gift of God is found in Jesus Christ our Lord. His grace is for everyone. And so there is that call to go and be a part of God's kingdom and his vineyard. And it doesn't matter if you've done this for 12 hours or one hour, it doesn't matter if you've lived out your life as a Christian from baptism to grave, or whether you are drawing your last breath and coming to this faith by the power of God's Holy Spirit and receiving the fullness of the kingdom of God. It's not for us to decide who is in or who is out, who receives this grace or who doesn't. The great and glorious emphasis for us today that should bring us great joy is that the master pays out the same wage. It is only in Christ that we can find true equality. All of us are crying out from the depths To the Lord, to hear our voice, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory. And it does not matter what sins you have done or left undone. It doesn't matter how many sins you have racked up versus mine that will go through the ceiling here. It doesn't matter how far away you have trudged from all of this or how closely you think that you have gone along with all of this. It does not matter in the sight of God as much as it does to the rest of us. He wishes nothing more than to pour out his grace to all, to forgive us and to wash us clean with the blood of Christ that forgives every last one of our sins. He wishes nothing more than to give us the true and full payment that we don't deserve, but yet that we get. The forgiveness of sins, the life and the salvation, one for you and for all in Christ Jesus. And so as we go out from this place, we go out as changed and renewed and refreshed people of God, children of the Heavenly Father. We go out on the rock, Jesus Christ our Lord, and we go out with different eyes, different ears, and different mouths. We go out with the eyes of Jesus, with the ears of Jesus, with the mouth of Jesus. And we go out looking at all of those Who are around us the least the last and the losers of life and we go out renewed and refreshed with the grace of god and willing by the power of the holy spirit to invite others to this place to receive that same grace so that they may be where you and i are in the kingdom of heaven to christ alone be the glory forever and ever amen